Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Here, John Mitchell is here. Uh, do, you, do you want to take a quick phone call here? Sure. And uh, we'll see what's on this caller's mind. If it's, if it's Big Daddy and he's calling about the ticket, we already decided there's nothing that can be done. <laughs> let's, let's go to the phones. Good morning. You are on with Mayor Mitchell. Good morning, Mayor Mitchell. Good morning, Tim. Mike Lima here. Hey, Mike. How are you? How's everybody today? Doing well. How are you? Good. Mayor, I'm going to make some comments. It's not pointed at you or the administration. Okay. I just would like your uh, view on these comments. Sure. Do you realize, and I'm sure you do, that the police department if there is 211 police officers on the street today, that we are down 100 police officers on the street because the numbers in the early 90s, the policing level on the street were 310 police officers. Now, I'm sure that you funded for 260, so that's really a difference of 50 and I'm sure that cut of 50 is due to lack of funding over the last 30 years. So that's my point of not pointing a finger at your administration. But that still is a severe cut in police protection on the street in the last 30 years. When well, I so personally feel... Can I just stop you right there? Sure. So, so we have not cut the police budget while I've been in office. The budget's the same. We're not, we're just not filling the positions. Right? That's the, that's the challenge today. Right. Like I said, I'm not pointing a finger at, at well, your administration. And if I can ask a question, wouldn't it be that policing has changed in 30 years, that there's, there's different tools available, different partnerships, different reasons why you wouldn't need to have as many physical bodies out there on the street in 30 years? My point being is just simple. Even at 260, which is obviously still a, a good amount of police officers out on the street, I personally feel that the levels and the amount of crime activity has risen. What do you base that on? I'm sorry? What, what, do, you, what do you base that on? What do I base that on? just myself being out on the street. I don't base it on the numbers that are, that you or the police department or the FBI. I, those numbers, as far as I'm concerned, Mayor, and again, it's just my opinion, I don't believe those numbers are ever correct because we, no one knows the true amount of crime in any city because there's a lot of unreported crimes that go on that we never know about so i mean no disrespect mike but i would i would consider at least some hard data better than an arbitrary oh i agree i listen i didn't make this phone call to uh to go back and forth and point fingers i'm just saying i feel that the city 
doesn't uh, isn't as well protected as it was at one time, and it's nobody's fault. If the money isn't there to fund the police, now I know the mayor said he has never cut the budget, and I'm not blaming, uh, I'm not saying he has ever cut the budget. I'm just saying, I bet you if you look at how much money came in for for the police department in years past compared to, to now, yeah, 30 years ago, it's just obviously not the same. No budget's the same. State, city, towns, it's it's just not the same. And I'm just saying that I know there's community policing now and, and cops in the in the schools. You know, it, it's, it's crazy. And I know that resources are different now. Hey, listen, I'll end with this. On Monday, I was at North Attleboro High School because... That's my job. I go to high schools and, and teach special needs students. I was in a total lockdown because of all these hoaxes that are going on at all these schools. Yeah. You think that you think that was a comfortable position? Not at all. No. No. Not at all. It's not very comfortable when they come on and say you're going in lockdown and now they're starting to barricade doors and close all shades and, and you don't really know what's going on. Sure. Yeah. Well, not a, I'm, I'm not gonna... a very comfortable position, and I, I'd like to thank you guys for giving me the time. And I, and I was just trying to make a point again, Mayor. Nothing against your administration whatsoever. You do the best job possible with the resources that you have to run the city. All right. Well, thanks. Thank you for the call. Yeah. So, so I, I think one of the things. Yeah. So a couple of things to pick up on. Um, so it, it is. It is the case that we've we've increased the. the Police department budget. I think I find that to be important. What we're talking about today is, um, you know, the, the fact that we can't fill the positions. We end up with a surplus um, in the salary item, salary line item for the police department uh, we have in the last couple of years. So that's that is it, the fact that we have it. We, the ranks are depleted is of concern. As I said before, you know, depending on which authority you talk to, the we're, you know, we're low, but we're not like um, we're not like at a critical level. The rule of thumb is anywhere between 2.1 to 2.3. Some say 2.4 per per um, per thousand residents. The Massey's and New Bedford, because we're just a little bit over 100,000. So, you know, having 211 is low, but it's not critically low. I'll tell you that, like the city of Brockton has been under 200 for many years now, and that. They were the same size as us, uh, so that's uh, you know Fall River is another city that they're they've been under 200 for a long time. So, um, if for many years we had many many more officers than either of those cities. So I just mentioned them because they're the closest cities to us. So uh, the other thing to consider too is that yeah, so resources for the operation of city government have they they haven't declined in real term but they've declined in relative terms as a share of the budget and by that i mean this but as things like health care and pension costs have grown over time it's meant less money for actual salaries of not just police officers but other folks in city government so city government's a lot smaller than it was back in the early 90s uh, for sure and because of some of these other because these other costs have have grown all that said, you know, my focus now is to figure out, and we're trying to work with the union on this, um, 
the police union on this is to ensure that we've got enough police officers to keep everything uh, everything safe. The city's relatively safe, but I don't take that as a foregone conclusion. We, we we've got to continue to work hard to ensure that uh, it stays it stays that way, and and you need police officers to do that. All right, we'll, we'll take a couple more quick calls, but then I got to move on to another topic here. But you're next with Mayor Mitchell. Hello. Hi. Good morning, Tim. Uh, Mayor Mitchell, it's Catherine. Um, Hi, Catherine. I'm wondering if you We're have on a an first opinion. name basis on the on the uh, show now. That's great. <laughs> Good. Yeah. <laughs> he said, like Catherine. I know who you are now. Yeah. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. Um, I would like to know, Mayor Mitchell, if you have an opinion on the city council supposedly unofficially meeting monthly at a restaurant. Uh. Yeah, I saw, uh, I guess it was Jack Spillane's piece mm-hmm. uh, in the yeah, different light yeah. on, on, on that. Um, yeah, I think they, uh, I, I don't know that they violated the open meeting law. I, it's, I, I'm not going to assume that, that mm-hmm. they, they did. Um, but, um, but, yeah, I think it's, so I'm not, I'm not going to throw stones in, in that general direction. Um, you know, there there have been in other instances concern open meeting law concerns with them. Uh, Jack in this piece mentioned the discussion around the American Rescue Plan Act um, um, deliberation a few months back um, via an email that, chain. Right. So yeah. there's there's some of that that I think was more concerning than their meeting in restaurants. So um, you know, but I'm not. I, you want them to get along, and if they want to, they 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 want to meet they can't talk about business that's that's uh that's that's the open meeting law so i'm not going to presume that they're breaking the law yeah no i'm i wasn't even thinking about the legality of it but the 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 sense of it um i it it seems to me that the city councilors could and probably do go to different restaurants and they're Areas or their at-large councils go around the city. That you know, I think that's that's good uh, PR for each city councilor, and it's good for business, of course. But I, I, I don't think it's appropriate that they meet in a group like this. Um, I was just going to suggest that the we do have our neighborhood meetings, and uh, though there's no business aspect there, that is the place for us residents to. Uh, hear uh, of any issues going on in city council and at my last the last neighborhood meeting I went to I requested that uh, whatever is in the works uh, maybe upcoming on an agenda for the city council that uh, you know whatever the city council could share with us our councils at the at those meetings that would be a good place for it because after all I should think they would want to know our opinion and how we feel about certain issues before they're brought before the city council meetings. Um, So uh, I I just want to see more openness between city council, city councilors and residents uh, and less behind the scenes actions. And I'm just concerned about this kind of uh, group meeting. Thank you. We'll definitely bring it up with council president Morad when she's on with us on Friday too. Thank you for the call. Thanks. Yep, thanks, Catherine. Uh, speaking of the city council, I do have a question for you. So I, from my understanding, in the Committee on Appointments and Briefings uh, on Monday, they voted to push Carol Pimentel's nomination through to with no further action taken. Uh, what 
what's going to happen here now going forward with that nomination? Well, I don't think it's done yet. We'll yeah, we'll uh, we'll put it in front of them again if it gets voted down because it, it sounds like the two ward um, ward three candidates um, agree with my position. I thank them for that, which is that she'd be a great addition to the Voc Tech board, um, and she would. She's highly qualified. And uh, there's, you know, certain city councilors who have tried to stop her nomination. We've talked about that. And I think, um, you know, look, we, we want to make sure that the people who volunteer their time to serve on city boards and commissions are given a fair and prompt hearing. And that doesn't always happen, hasn't always happened. And, and Carol Pimentel, um, you know, has, has been very patient. I mean, I'm not sure uh, with, with the council, I'm not sure I would have had the same level of patience with them if I were nominated. We've had nominees. In fact, we just had one this week who just, you know, who, um, for whom it was taking too long. The confirmation process was too, taking too long. And she said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. No, thanks. And so we don't want people to do that. We, this service on city boards and commissions is really important. We want we want highly qualified and caring people to serve on those boards, and but they don't get paid to do it. There are certain boards for, for which a, a modest stipend is paid, but by and large they are unpaid boards, and so that means that those those folks should be um, their time should be respected, and um, so that's what we'll continue to emphasize. All right, we are going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll, I want to talk about some news that came out this morning, and uh, we will talk more with Mayor Mitchell. Stay tuned. New Bedford's News Talk Station. We're talking with New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell. Uh, however, I know there's some calls there, but I, I, there's a couple of topics I want to get to before we run out of time. One of that is uh, the story came out this morning from Anastasia Lennon at uh, newbedfordlight.org. South Coast lawmakers call for a review of the state peer development deal. It appears that some of the local legislators are looking for a more public process in the development plan. And they feel like this was kind of done. The word that's used in the article is, you know, with secrecy. And I know that you've been, you know, involved in this and you, you talked with us about it. Wanted to get your thoughts on this. Yeah. Yeah. So the, yeah, the, um, so, uh, it, it's, it's essentially the same letter that they wrote whenever it was in November, back in the fall, um, alleging you know, the secrecy, lack of transparency uh, on the part of mass development, which um, operates the state pier. Um, you know, this is like it's Representative Bill Strauss. He has made clear to everybody he does not want to see any kind of development on the state pier that is um, that is in the way of restaurants or retail or anything in the front in the area where. Um, if I say in the front along MacArthur Boulevard. So um, you know, we, there has been a, an enormous amount of public process uh, concerning the development uh, of the pier. It's just that it's not, it's glossed over, right, by the things that it's, he's submitted to the press. And frankly, with the turnover in the media here, there's very little institutional knowledge, uh, uh, memory of way back when in 2016 when we had dozens of people showing up at me stakeholder meetings to talk about the waterfront and about the, the central waterfront particularly even more particularly the state pier so you know we've we've pushed um and we've sent to, to you and sent to others in the media reminders about like that was a pretty involved process that yielded a 90 something page long document that laid out 
what the public wanted in, um, in on the state pier, which is not just one type of thing. There is people really like the restaurants on Pier 3. They like them not just because they're good restaurants, but they're not in the way of the fishing industry. Um, the state pier has, historically has not been a fishing pier. There are some fishing boats that tie up. They do things like change gear. I just drove by now. It's a big, big pier, but there was one scalloper tied up there. The fishing industry's usage of the state pier is a pretty recent development, and it's been largely because of the uh, the, the the influx of uh, out-of-state vessels into the port. That's and it's it's made you know caused some congestion in some of the fishing piers. But that's it. It's not uh, it, 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 what, what's been proposed there. In fact, is more fishing. Yeah, it takes the, that the, into the account. Auction, yeah. The auction is, is the, the Canastra family has proposed to develop the south face of the pier for a fish uh, auction and a, a restaurant right next to it, which is exactly what New Bedford needs i think to connect with the fishing industry to bring tourists there but also to highlight what the fishing industry does for um not just for this region but for all of america right we're a huge source of food for the country and beyond and people need to see i think how that all works and as it stands right now most of the fish is offloaded at the south terminal which is just totally inaccessible to the public so i think it's a great development the state yeah, this idea that there is no transparency is just complete nonsense. This is a real estate transaction. Like we were just talking a moment ago about negotiations with with unions. There's all kinds of stuff that the government at every level negotiates that's not in the public view. What comes out, the, the final product comes out um, as uh, for for full public disclosure and 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 um, and comment and reaction. But that's not the way that real estate transactions work. I mean, so right now, Vineyard Wind rents the New Bedford Marine Commerce Terminal just a mile or so down the road from the state pier. None of these state reps uh, had any problem with the negotiation for that terminal uh, when uh, Vineyard Wind and the Mass Clean Energy Center agreed to its, its use. None of that was public. Nor should it have been, right? The ultimate lease is, is available for uh, the public with a public records request, but like the negotiation of it, no. At the end of the day, this is a fabulous development on at the State Pier. The State Pier has languished for years under, frankly, the the watchful eye of some of the state reps who signed this. Like they would rather have the status quo. I think that we can New Bedford can be can do a lot better. I think we can have. Uh, a high, highly functioning marine terminal there that supports fishing, offshore wind, ferry, um, and other uses, marine tech, as well as to have and, and cargo, and, and to have an area where the public can connect with the waterfront. That's that's what um, that that's what the stakeholders in the city did uh, said they wanted when we did this planning exercise. And what's what's been proposed is totally consistent with the public process. And and so, yeah, this is just this. People should see through this as just another attempt to thwart that development, and um, primarily by Bill Strauss. And um, and look, I, I I try to get along with all these guys, and but you know when they're getting in the way of what folks in the city want, then I've got to speak up.
All right. Well, we have to take our final break of the hour. We come back on the other side. We'll see if we can squeeze in some more calls. We'll be back in just a few moments with more with Mayor Mitchell. The WBSM app is every- Welcome back in. Sorry, we were talking soup. Uh, as we get closer talking, to lunch. We're talking food, yes. <laughs> Getting distracted. Let's uh, let's go to the phones here because this person's been patiently waiting. Good morning. You were on with Mayor Mitchell. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Hello, Mayor Mitchell. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Yeah, thanks for waiting. You were, you were, you were blinking for a while. <laughs> well, I, I think I got an easy question for you. Sure. Uh, I mean, first of all, I want to thank you for sprucing up the area around the Galat Square Monument. Okay, it was left un- unattended for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I notice it's the old neighborhood that Ashley Park is being somehow changed. There's always been a backstop there, and if that's gone, the fence yep. is gone, what's happening there? Yeah, so there's been some public... I'm glad you raised it. There'll be more uh, announced publicly around um, or on concerning Ashley Park, but it, it is, uh, it, it's going to become more of a park and, it's, and, and less of an athletic facility, right? That field has been there for a long time. Yeah as both a baseball field and a softball field alike. You know, the leagues weren't aren't what they once were. We moved um, – we, we did one of the fields at Dias Field off of Mount Pleasant Street to serve the – to sort of take the place of that field there. And there has been a fair amount of planning that has gone into the – rejiggering of Ashley Park so it's like more pastoral it's not in general the basketball court staying the playground staying the uh, patio area right by Goulart Square right on Goulart Square is staying the same but where the field is going it's going to be you know more of a what's the word for it uh, like a Green almost space. like a, well, like a like a lawn as opposed to a as opposed to field, but the, the, the design's all done, uh-huh. and you know if you want to, I don't know if it's posted on the city's website, but we're going to make an announcement about that soon. But there's been a fair amount of public input on, it, but it's going to look really good. So you've seen like a lot of the, you know, a lot of the eyesores have been taken. Well, I out, can't right? ever remember there being green space there in my lifetime, and I'm pretty old. Even when you played soccer there, it was uh, on stone dust. You played the soccer; there wasn't grass there. I hope you can get the grass in. Can I ask you one other question about that area? Is this upper funds or no? Um, I try to remember if we're using. I don't think ultimately we're using ARPA funds. I think okay. we're using community development block grant okay. funds. Okay, is the basketball one. court going to be redone, or it's going to just remain the way it is? Well, if it needs to get spruced up, I, I, I think if it needs to get spruced up, it will. It's not going anywhere. It's going to be Good. right there in the corner a, still. A while yeah. back, I called about the, there was a thing, a thing before the city council about make, making that name Tom Barua Field, uh, Tom Barua Basketball Court, I should say. And I know there was some a lot of people behind it before the COVID. Uh, he was thought, the son of our city and a great guy. Yeah, I, I think it passed, didn't it? Yes, it, it did. Yeah, but yeah. the COVID came and nothing ever happened. Uh, he was, he's a son of our city, although he didn't live here. But uh, player, one yeah. of the best basketball players that came out of New Bedford High School. Yep. I, I would hope that could be done and maybe his family invited down to, to see the field named in, in his honor. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought that to my attention because I know it passed. I don't think we've put any kind of marker out there. And I think it's just one of those things that got sort right. of swept up in the pandemic. Right, so I right. think you're right. So uh, yeah, let's great great suggestion. Let's uh, let's get to working on it. I think thank that's you, a really good idea. Thank right. you, thank you for the call. Right. Thank you. Uh, we only have about a minute left, but I want to ask you really quickly about something that came up in my discussion last week uh, with the councilors. Uh, Ward two councilor Maria Giesta said that Carl Farnworth is looking into the possibility of putting in uh, an ice skating rink at Brooklawn Park. I just want to. 
It would be it would be artificial ice like Taunton has. <laughs> What's artificial ice? I have no Is idea. Like dry I'm, I'm digging more into it. But what do you think about ice skating in thirty seconds? <laughs> well, yeah, if we can get water to stay frozen uh, long, <laughs> right? So people will remember there was a huge ice skating rink in where the parking lot next to the senior center is. And for years and years and years, uh, people who grew up in the North End would um, would remember that. But things don't stay as frozen as they used to, right? Yeah, when's, the la- when's the last time you saw anybody skating on at, at Bunwood Park? Yeah, it's been anywhere. A, it's been a while. Or Victory Park in the South End. So, yeah, I'm open. If somebody's got a great idea, I'm, I'm always game for it. I'll give you some more information about the fake ice when I get it. So Fake ice. All, All right. right. That'll do it for this week's edition. We will talk to you next week. Until tomorrow, enjoy every sandwich. Let's go get a sandwich. WBSM and W25. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.